Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 1 says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have of being together on this resurrection day. Well, God, most important time in the year for those who know you as our Saviour. And this is the day, Father God, we remember that Christ was victorious over death, over sin, over the grave. The day that, Father God, the declaration was made that indeed the sacrifice was accepted. Father, we thank you for that. We pray today as we remember this and as we look into your word that you'd guide our time. Pray that, Father God, you'd minister to our hearts. Enable me, Father God, to have clarity of thought and be able to speak your word clearly today. Father God, we might receive from you that which you'd have from us. May we leave this place this day saying, Hallelujah, what a Savior. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It was dark as the two women arose that first Easter Sunday morning. The two got up on their garments grabbed their spices and headed out on the dirt road that leads out of the city. As they headed out on the road and as the sun began to rise, the path was lined with many dark shadows. But no shadow or darkness could compare with the darkness that hovered over their soul. As they walked up that path towards the tomb, the thoughts, the sights of the last week, I'm sure were going through their minds. They'd been there when Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a cult of an ass. Before thousands of shouting people, people shouting his praises, saying, Hallelujah, King of the Jews. They'd been there when Jesus was praised by the people. But unfortunately, their minds and the events of the last week didn't stop there. They couldn't stop the terrible scenes from playing out in their minds. They saw Jesus tied to a Roman stake, scourged with a cat of nine tails, a whip filled with broken pieces of pottery, glass and bones ripping across his back. They recalled the purple robe, the beatings, the cruel mockings, the crown of thorns. They had seen it all. They saw Jesus hanging on uh, on that rough cross of wood. They saw his body struggle and wince with pain with every breath that he took. And they were there when Jesus Christ cried, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They remember the words of Jesus Christ just before he gave up the ghosts, where he said, it is finished. And they were there when Jesus died on that dark day 2,000 years ago upon Golgotha's hill, upon the cross of Calvary. Now their Lord was dead, their hope was gone. So why in the world are they up so early on this first day of the week 
on this Sunday morning? Why aren't they lying in bed wallowing in their misery? What was it that drove these women to get up so early in the morning, get out of their beds and make their way, uh, out of beds before dawn and make their way up that dark, uh, through those dark streets and up that hill to the tomb? The thing that drove them was their love and their devotion for Jesus Christ, their Lord. Someone had to finish the preparation of his body for burial. So these two faithful followers of Jesus who were with him until the end, took it upon themselves to finish the work. The task they were going to reform was a somber task. It was a difficult task. They were the ones who had wiped the blood from his brow and from his side. They were the ones to remove the blood from his, out of his hair that had matted from the crown of thorns. They, were the long, they would be the last ones to touch his face. So nearing the tomb, though, suddenly... There was a problem. Something that they hadn't thought about in all this preparation and all this deliberation, this plan to go the first day of the week to finish their body for burial. One thing they hadn't thought about. Mark 16.3 records it for us. It says, who shall roll ours away the stone? How are we going to get into the tomb? We thought about going up. We brought the spices. We're planning to finish his body for burial but who's going to remove the stone? The answer came from heaven. In Matthew 28 and verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his cant was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. What a glorious sight. They, didn't, they did not yet know the significance of that sight. All the significance of the empty tomb. Understand that. These women are making their way up to the tomb. They believe the body of Christ is still there. And even with the coming of the angel, they are not aware of the significance of the angel being there and the significance of the empty tomb. But we do. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Death has lost its sting. Salvation has been secured. Today is resurrection day. And without a doubt, today is a glorious day for all who know the Lord. In fact, it's probably, indeed it is, the most glorious day of our calendar, Resurrection Day. Today is the day we celebrate the completion of our salvation by our Savior with the resurrection from the dead. It's Resurrection Day. Can you imagine the mixed emotions that must have flooded through those women that day? Everyone thought that God had finished speaking. The last three great years had come to an end with Jesus Christ saying, It is finished. He gave up the ghost. Praise the Lord, he had not finished speaking. The greatest statement was yet to come. And here is where Matthew 28, verse 4, picks up the story with the coming of the women to the tomb. And notice with me, if you would, that they find an empty tomb. In verse 4 and following. It makes horror and the fear. Where was the Christ? Who'd taken him? Three days ago, they had seen him taken down from the cross, crudely bound for burial in a hurry 
by Joseph of Arimathea and taken by Joseph and, and, and uh, uh, Nicodemus to be buried. And now the tomb is empty. You can imagine running through their minds was the question, who would do this? Who would take his body away? And why would they do it? Why would they take his body away? They didn't know it yet. They didn't realize it yet, but the empty tomb was the best thing that could have happened. But right now they're puzzled. And so while they stood there puzzled, the angel Lord comes and speaks words of comfort to them. Notice he says, first and foremost in verse 4, and for, and fear, for fear of him, the keep shake and become as dead men. And the angel said unto the woman, Fear not ye. Fear not. There's no need to fear. These women who have come in the early hours of the morning to the tomb and wondering who's going to remove the stone and then seen the empty tomb and now filled with, with uh, I'm sure, some anxiety and, and some wonderment of why and what's going on. The angel says to them, fear not. They were not to fear the empty tomb because the empty tomb meant that Jesus Christ had kept his word. In John chapter 2 and verse 19, he said to the disciples, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He, of course, was speaking of the temple of his body and he explains that to the disciples in verses 21 and 22, but he spake of the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. The angel says, don't fear, don't cry, don't worry. Rejoice. He has done what he said he would do. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Jesus kept his word. Help us to know that we have a Savior who can be trusted to keep his word. He said, destroy this body and I'll raise it up. And they destroyed his body and it's now been risen. We have nothing to fear for our Savior has risen from the grave. Secondly, he says to the women, for I know that you seek Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here. He is not here. In Luke 24 and verse 5, the angels say, ask the question, why seek ye the living among the dead? Don't seek for Christ where he can't be found. He is not here. These are some of the most beautiful words, some of the most important words ever spoken by an angel to men. He is not here. Don't worry. Don't fear. He's not here. There's nothing to fret about. There's nothing to worry about. Don't seek the living among the dead. He's not here. You know, one may look all over Jerusalem and see countless thousands of tombs. You'll never find one that's the tomb of Jesus because he's not there. In Israel, there are many graves, many tombs. Somebody said this, there's an ocean of tombs of the Man of Olives and a vast sea of graves outside the eastern wall of the Temple Mount. Yet you can, and you can see the tomb of Rebekah. You can see the tomb of David. You can find the tomb of Absalom. But you'll never find the tomb 
of Jesus Christ anyway. Because he is not there. His tomb is empty. Sure, people have searched for the tomb of Jesus Christ and they speculate as to which tomb it might be on the Temple Mount, which cave was the original place where Jesus was laid. They speculate about his tomb, but they can't identify it with certainty. For there's no headstone. There's no place that says, here lies the body of Jesus Christ, for he is not there. You can search all over Jerusalem and you'll never find a headstone that says, here lies the body of Jesus Christ, for he is not there. Many are still seeking the Lord, you know, today in the wrong place, in the wrong way. Many seek for Christ through dead works and dead feelings. They're looking for peace and happiness in the wrong place, in the wrong thing, in the wrong way. Peace can only be found in Christ, Prince of Peace. And he can only be found in the Word of God, where we're told, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We won't find him in a tomb. There's no place we can go and bow down and worship at a, a gravesite. He is not there. And because he's not there, because he's risen, you and I need to seek him in his word and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Now if the phrase, he is not here, is a glorious phrase, then there's one even more glorious to follow. He is not here, for he is risen. He has risen. This shows to you and I, beloved, that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ made upon the cross of Calvary. Remember Christ upon the cross that died to purchase our redemption. And on the cross, he had shed his blood. And on the cross, he declared, it is finished. And now God cries out from glory through this angel and says, He is risen. This demonstrates God's satisfaction with the sacrifice that Christ made upon the cross of Calvary. He's satisfied with his son's payment for our sin. So much so that Christ did not stay in the tomb. He rose again from the tomb and one day he's coming again. What wonderful words these are. He is not here for he is risen. We love the words, don't we, of the cross. It is finished. And they are wonderful words. But it is finished means nothing without he is risen. Because he is risen is God declaring to you and I that the work that was finished on Calvary was indeed satisfactory to meet the righteous demands of a holy God and he is risen demonstrates that satisfaction. For if Christ had not risen, you and I would be in serious trouble. First Corinthians tells us all about that. If Christ be not risen, then we of all men most miserable. Because there is no salvation. There is no eternal life. There is no sins forgiven. There is no payment made for our redemption. If Jesus Christ be not risen, then we are all men most miserable and our religion is just as dead and empty as any other religion in the world. But the glorious thing about today is this is resurrection day. He is risen. The songwriter put it well. Up from the grave he arose. 
with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Next, the angel says to the women in verse 6, come see the place where the Lord lay. Come see the place where the Lord lay. It has been said the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away so that others could see in and know that Christ is risen. Jesus' resurrection proved that his death was an actual propitiation, an actual satisfaction for sin, and that the Father accepted that sacrifice for you and I. The cross, the payment, the resurrection, the receipt, proving that God fully accepted the price. Jesus Christ, the cross, paid the price of our redemption, and God the Father issued the receipt. He is risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. As we look into the empty tomb, what we see is a vacant slab and the grave clothes folded neatly in their place. What the exact significance of the grave clothes is, we're not told. But we do know this, he never appears in them again. For he arose again, never to die again. Look in Romans, please, chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, 9, knowing that Jesus Christ, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. He rose again, never to die again. You know, when Lazarus rose from the grave, he was bound in his grave clothes and he came forth and Christ had to say to the onlookers, loose him and let him go. He rose in his grave clothes and he was going to die and need them again. Christ rose and he left his grave clothes behind because he didn't need them anymore. He rose through immortality. Sin was paid for. Death and the grave were conquered. The victory was won. Because of Calvary, we've been saved. Because of the resurrection, we have been assured. Of one day you and I also rising never to die again. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The strength of sin, uh, strength of sin is the loyal. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think I missed a bit out in the middle. We will be glorified with him. He is not here, for he is risen. Come and see the place where he lay. <laughs> He's not there. There's the grave clothes, and he doesn't need them anymore. He rose again. And one day we will rise, because he is risen. He rose victorious over sin and Satan. And laying aside his grave clothes, he laid aside everything that belonged to sin. 
and this life. He died to purchase our redemption. He rose to obtain our victory. He rose victorious over the grave. He rose victorious over sin. He rose victorious over Satan. He fulfilled the promise of Genesis chapter 3. He now had crushed the head of Satan. Victory was guaranteed. And now you and I will one day rise. This corruptible will one day pawn an incorruption. This mortal will one day pawn an immortality. And then we'll be brought to pass the saying, which is said, death is swallowed up in victory. He is not here. He has risen. See the place where he lay, the empty grave, the empty grave clothes, for he is risen to immortality. And one day you and I, because the payment has been made for our sin, shall also rise if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The angel has not yet finished speaking. For he says in verse 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Go quickly. Make haste. There's no time to waste. Ladies, you don't need to be here. There's nothing to do. The spices are pointless. He is not here. He is risen. See the place where he lay. Now go. Go quickly and tell his disciples the good news. Make haste. There's no time to waste. Take the wonderful news that you have just heard and tell others what you've seen and what you've heard, that he is not here, he is risen, as he said. The angel commanded them to be the first messengers of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Go and do the work that God has given you to do. You know, that dark day, that morning where they got up and they put on their clothes and they made their way through the dark streets of Jerusalem, down through the valley and up the other side of the mount to where the grave was, that day of darkness, that day of gloom, those three days whereby these disciples had been sitting around and, and weeping and wailing and, and, and sad because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, that day has now turned into joy as these ladies turn and make haste from that gravesite and go back to the disciples, they're full of joy and excitement. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. And we've seen the place where he lay, and he's not there. An angel told us so. This day of darkness has now just turned to a day of joy. Go tell. Now you receive the good news. He is not here. So go and tell others. Tells them in verse 7. Go and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. First tell your friends. And later tell others. But go and tell. The angel commands the ladies, to do exactly what Christ is going to command the disciples to do later in this chapter, and that's what Pastor Kendall is going to talk about at the 11 o'clock service. 
But here they're given the commission to go and tell the good news. That is what happens in verse 8. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and they shall see me. Go tell. They were so excited about the news, that they turned around and they made haste, they're running back towards Jerusalem to tell the disciples, the rest of the disciples, the good news. And on the way, they meet Jesus Christ. Oh, if they've got any doubts, if there's any lingering doubts that what the angels told them as they stand before the empty tomb and they see the empty grave slab and the empty grave clothes, if there's any lingering doubt, if there's any possibility that as they're running back, they're thinking to themselves, maybe we're just having a vision, maybe we're having a nightmare, a dream. As they're making their way back, Jesus stops them and says, go and tell my disciples I'm on my way to meet with them. What an exciting day, hey? I I don't know whether you and I can begin to imagine the joy that now is washing over these ladies and will eventually wash over the disciples when finally Peter and John come to the realization that what they're told is true because you know the story. Peter and John, when they hear the word from the women, have to see for themselves and so they both run to the tomb. When they get to the tomb, John stands outside, Peter has to go in, checks out for himself. But the reality is that this day is now a day of rejoicing. It's a day of excitement. It's a day of thanksgiving. They could not wait to tell others the good news. I wonder, beloved, what about us? Are we excited about what Christ has done for us? Do we share eagerly the good news? You know, Resurrection Day is the most important day in the Christian calendar, and every Sunday we get together is just a remembrance of Resurrection Day. Three hundred, uh, 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 sorry, uh, fifty-two weeks of the year we get together to remember His resurrection. It's Resurrection Day. We meet on the first day of the week because it's Resurrection Day. Easter is more important than Christmas. And Easter Sunday is the most important day of the calendar for you and I as believers. This is Resurrection Day. And we ought to get excited about that news. We ought to be excited about telling others about the good news. And what they were to tell was the great news that he is risen. Notice what he says in verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen. That's the good news. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Beloved, you and I must get excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to preach Christ dying for sins, risen victorious for our redemption. Beloved, come and see the risen Christ. And know the power of the resurrection and go tell the good news. Share the gospel with all men. We must go quickly because the need is great and time is short. And if you've been listening to the news 
recently. You've got to wonder whether it's getting awfully short. So we must go quickly because the need is great and time is short. It's Easter. Let's think on the glorious words of the angel. Fear not. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and go and quickly and tell the good news. Jesus Christ is risen today. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for this glorious passage of Matthew 28. And the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be excited about the resurrection. Help us, Father God, to be excited about our Savior. Help us to be excited about the gospel. And may we go forth, Father God, with uh, enthusiasm. And, and go forth, Father God, proclaiming the glorious news of the resurrected Savior. May we this Easter remember our glorious Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.